time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Whoa, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he put, oh, he's the worst up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, no Ishmael Johnson today, but we do have Mallory back. Mallory, how are you doing? Doing well. I miss Ish, but <laughs> I decided to fill in for him this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a couple of days. I, I think that I saw him for like a short period when we came back. No, I didn't because he was remote last yeah. week. Yeah. I still haven't you seen haven't him. You haven't seen him in a couple a weeks. Long time, yeah, a long time. Yeah, because we had seven on seven and you had a vacation, <laughs> then he had a vacation. Yeah, man. Everybody's gone. <laughs> Everybody's gone. July is such a weird month. It and really is. June is like the month that we're all just chill. We mm-hmm. all kind of have off a little bit. And then July is like, okay. Things are happening, but they're so spread out. Right. And and also for me, for college and for Ish, for you know college and high school and everybody for high school, everybody's just running so many different directions. Right, right. So, you know, we'll, we'll get back on a normal schedule, everybody in yes. the office, before too long. I mean, once you hit media days, which, you know, uh, just for people to know, we're recording this on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Both of us are going to be out at Big 12 media days. Once, yes. once you hit media days... That's when we're back. Right. right? That's right. when it's happening. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll I'm be a excited. lot of fun. Yes. Yes, definitely. I will say, I mean, they, they mentioned on TFT, we still don't have a nickname for you. Okay. Well. I don't like Malpal. I'm just going to jump in and say that. <laughs> I was going to say that. I do not like Malpal. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll think. Okay. Can I leave that up to you? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. I'm not great with nicknames, so we'll have next to figure week. something out. Next oh, week. All right. By next week. Because I assume we are going to have a podcast next week. Because we'll we're going to be back from coaching school yes. by Tuesday. We'll so figure something out one by, way or by another. By next Wednesday. We will. A, a nickname. <laughs> but other than Malpal. Sorry, Tep. But <laughs> not going to cut it for Sean. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, listen. We're, we're going to all be hanging out together all weekend long at coaching school, like you yeah. said. So hopefully something will come up. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I'm not a nickname person. But we got we to gotta come up with something. We'll right? see. we yeah. got to come up for with sure. something. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Well, let's get right into it. So we have a couple news and notes from around, uh, around college football. First of all, the WAC. Commissioner Jeff Hurd is set to retire this coming just a couple days after the Texas Four, as they're called, entered the Western Athletic Conference. Uh, really interesting tenure, actually, for Jeff Hurd. He took over back in 2012. He was a lifelong, basically, uh, WAC employee and kind of worked his way up. And he took over in 2012, which was when the entire conflict, conference imploded right. and when they dropped football. And it was a long-term plan for him to basically bring back football in some form. Right. And now he's got those teams coming in. He's got the defending national champions coming in at the FCS ranks. Uh, and he kind of decides now's the time. I kind of looked more into it, and he was with the WAC for 37 years. Mm. He was only the commissioner for 10, but yeah. with the WAC for 37 years. That's more than I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> that's more than both of us have been alive. <laughs> yeah. that, that's like the two of us, and not not the two of us combined, but you know, that's it's a longer lot. than Tepper's been alive. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. Gosh. No, so it, he's seen every iteration of the whack. The one yes. thing that I will say is going to be interesting is they have to find somebody by next year 
who's an eligible team t- in order to get an auto bid to the 2022 FCS playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to do that either in the waning months of Jeff Hurd or somebody new is going to have to come in and do that. So that's going to definitely be interesting. Uh, and one other thing to mention, too, is that Southern Utah joins next July. So they're going to enter a conference mm-hmm. without Jeff Hurd, the guy who negotiated for them to come in. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little weird, but listen, I think uh, I think after 37 years and also 50 years in athletic administration across the board, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to retire. And before we move on, are there any any predecessors yet to Jeff Hurd? Are there any? Maybe predecessors, not the word. Is there uh, anybody oh, in, in the talks to, yes, to, yes, to, who uh, is going to follow Jeff Hurd? I'd assume that it would probably be someone internal is what we've kind of been hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, you just want to keep that continuity, right? Right, you just right. S- Especially with so much going on with the with the conference right now, I don't think that you want to overdo it. Right, And so um, I, I expect that it'll be probably somebody who's in administration over there at the WAC right now. They've got a lot of great people, and, and a lot of people have worked so hard on putting this new conference together. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised to see them go internal. There's Anything can happen. I mean, right. listen, we just saw in the, in the freaking Pac-12, they, they brought in the guy who was the head of MGM Casino's gambling. Yes. Right? So right. anything can happen. You can see anything. Right. Yeah. But I'd expect that they'd want to have some continuity just Absolutely. because of all the changes. Uh, moving on, another Texas player transferring to USC, this time a wide receiver Jake Smith, who finished third on the team in receiving yards and catches last year. Uh, been a major contributor the last two years. A lot of hype coming in as a top 50 kid from high school, the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Never quite panned out because of injuries, but I don't know. At, at the same time, Texas wide receiver room is looking real thin right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is kind of very surprising. Is it surprising to you about this transfer? Because I feel like, you know, he was set to have a, a pretty good year coming off an injury. Yeah, it seemed like he never quite gelled with, with Tom Herman's staff. And I will say they kept their same wide receivers coach, Andre Coleman, mm-hmm. who was very well liked. Everybody loved him. And, and But, you know, it is interesting. There had been rumors about that he was maybe a little homesick, that he was like, maybe I want to go back to the West Coast for mm-hmm. a little while. But it was one of those things when he an- entered the transfer portal a couple weeks ago where you were just like, eh, I mean, you know he did this before he thought about this before right is this really gonna happen they really kind of need him i felt like uh but you know now was the time for him and and joining again i think that there are like seven or eight other texas players and former texas high school kids who have now joined that program Mm -hmm. uh you know we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago but they have a recruiting coordinator and Brian Carrington, who was at Texas under Tom Herman. They have Todd Orlando, who was defense coordinator. They have Graham Harrell, who was, of course, North Texas assistant. So lots of Texas connections, which we can get into a whole other thing about how <laughs> the University of Southern California is like, let's go in on Texas Yes, when uh, you're in yeah. California. But, you know, that's a conversation for, for another day, for another day, for another day. Uh, another transfer, SMU added Oregon linebacker Isaac Slade. I sh- should have looked this up. Isaac Slade Matatua, mm-hmm. Matatia, I think. Sounds right. Yeah, I, I think that's how you say it. And uh, he was actually their leading tackler last year at Oregon for on a Pac-12 championship team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he enters the portal. He becomes the latest addition to SMU's very talented group of transfers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a major addition for them. They lost Richard McBride, obviously, to, to graduation. He's going to have a chance to come in, I think, compete for a starting job. I, I'll be curious to see where they kind of slate him. You'd expect that Richard Moore, who's coming back for six years, is probably going to be their middle linebacker. So we'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see what they do with him. But huge addition for them. And kind of cool to note, too, he's going to be playing for his former 
uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, Jim Levitt. Yep. Jim Levitt. So uh, full circle for him. Uh, that, that's the guy who recruited him to Oregon. Right. And closing it out, Houston wide receiver Cam Scott, who started at Missouri, transferred to Houston last year, never played at Houston, has once again entered the transfer portal. Obviously, he never played for them. Uh, I, I don't anticipate that. I don't have mm-hmm. a whole lot of impact mm-hmm. on their season. But, uh, but you know, Houston's a team that probably could use a little wide receiver depth. So, you know, another another loss. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into things. We're doing our preview series once again. And we are starting now with North Texas. Mallory, you know anything about North Texas? Um, Kind of. I, I know that they're the Screaming Eagles. Ooh, the Screaming Eagles. Maybe. I don't know. I may have just, just graduated from there, uh, but <laughs> I may know a little bit about uh, just, that program. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Well, four and six last season, lost in a bowl game. Uh, definitely not what Seth Luttrell wanted the last uh, couple of years. Mm-hmm. The last two years, winning four games each of the past two years after winning nine games the last two years before that. And yes, they technically made it back to a bowl game in 2020, but uh-huh. they got there at four and five. Yes. Not exactly sure that we count that. No. But, uh, you know, another bowl game, (laughs) if you want to say that. Uh, But, Mallory, we prepared some questions. So, Mm -hmm. what's our first burning question about North Texas? Yeah, definitely. You know, we kind of saw a lot of inconsistency at the quarterback position last season, you know, between Austin Ani and Jason Bean. And now, with Bean gone, that leaves, of course, Ani. And our newest UNC, the newest UNC, transfer Jace Reuter. So our burning question, will Austin Ani be the guy? Or can Jace Reuter still win that job over? Yeah. So here's the first thing that you have to say, right? Is that after a year of Austin Ani, and Austin Ani, by the way, was a highly regarded kid coming out of Argyle, Texas. Yes. And ended up going and playing baseball for a while, I believe, in the Yankees organization. Mm-hmm. Like many baseball players you know you just the path to the major leagues is absolutely terrible and Mm -hmm. so came back walked on at north texas uh, eventually did win that starting job last year but here's the thing that you have to say right is that after seeing a year of austin ani seth luttrell looked elsewhere right right? so to me that says that he does not think that austin ani is a surefire starting quarterback for north texas right and he he didn't have a a bad year i mean he, he played in eight games three starts uh, through for over 1,600 yards, 13 touchdowns. That's not a bad not a bad season. Not at but all. But it definitely does look like Seth Luttrell is looking elsewhere yeah. in the quarterback position. Well, and, and I think that the big thing that you point to is that this is obviously a very quarterback-friendly offense. Right. And even with it, you know, Austin Ani only completing 54.6% of his passes. Uh, and, you know, it is kind of interesting after watching every game like the both of us did last year it felt like he had more turnovers than four interceptions. Uh-huh. It felt like that was a real issue. I, I think that it was like a timeliness type thing, right? Like right. every time they'd be going on a run, there'd be a, a backbreaking interception or something like that. Right. And right. so the inconsistency is really what plagued Austin more than anything. And mm-hmm. and so now they're bringing in Jace Reuter, a former four-star uh, quarterback coming out of high school, the number one player in the state of Kansas in his recruiting class, still a very young player too. And he had the misfortune of happening to fall behind Sam Howell on the depth right. chart at North Carolina, who Sam Howell may be along with Spencer Rattler, the favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. So not a bad <laughs> guy to, uh, to follow behind. I would no, say, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. And on top of that, 
at uh, North Carolina, he learned under Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator, who does run a very wide open system, actually formerly the offensive coordinator at Sam Houston as well back in the day. And so this is a quarterback who has been trained by a a guy who knows quarterbacks in Phil Longo. He's somebody who's trained, like you mentioned, behind Sam Howell. He knows how to do things. Now, at the same time, it's really hard to come in in the fall and step in seamlessly. Right. But I think that from a talent perspective, Reuter's going to be an upgrade. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that there's any lock one way or another that somebody's going to dominate the battle, completely lock it up. I think that through the first couple of weeks of the season even, and, and I'm going to pull up the schedule right now, you know, you play Northwestern State. That's obviously a game that you should win easily, and I think both quarterbacks will certainly play in that. Mm-hmm. You play at SMU, which is a very difficult game, yes. and then you play UAB at home, which is also a difficult game. So I think through those first couple of games, I would not be shocked to see both quarterbacks. No. Definitely not. And and the thing that we saw with Seth Luttrell last year is he definitely didn't name a starting quarterback mm. until the last second, too. Right, right. And then the big thing, too, is that that first half of the schedule is a freaking nightmare. Yes. Because <laughs> you go at SMU versus scary. UAB at Louisiana Tech, which that's hopefully a manageable game. We don't know exactly what Louisiana Tech's going to look like. Mm-hmm. They just added Austin Kendall to West Virginia transfer, so that doesn't help. Then they go at Missouri in the TFT Bowl with North Texas going against Missouri, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they host Marshall, who is our pick to win Conference USA East. Mm-hmm. They host Liberty, who was a top 25 team. And then that second half of the schedule is when you really have to get your wins because then they go at Rice, at Southern Miss, versus UTEP, at FIU, versus UTSA. UTSA is probably a loss. I think you need to get every single one of those other games. Right, right. And, you know, can we go ahead and move on to this next question? Yeah, let's do it. Because it kind of has something to do with that. Of course, you know, at one point, Seth Luttrell was considered one of the hottest up-and-coming coaches in America, you know, he turned a one and eleven season into a nine and five season in just two years. You know, but these past couple of years have been definitely a struggle with with the loss of Mason Fine. So the question really is: Is Seth Luttrell on a hot seat? On the hot seat, and you know, what does he have to do this next coming year? You know, to keep that ball rolling, to keep his starting job. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, winning. Right? right, getting to a bowl, enough wins to get to a bowl game. Definitely. So I think that I, I've been asked this question a lot <laughs> over the last yeah. year or so. You know, when is the moment that Seth Luttrell gets on the hot seat? Because it's back-to-back four-win seasons, of course. Right. So, and, and this is what I've said, is Seth Luttrell has built up a lot of cachet by not just what he's accomplished on the field, because he has accomplished a lot on the field, mm-hmm. but also what he's accomplished off the field in terms of, new facilities, in terms of recruiting, in yes. terms of just all those little things, right? I, I think that uh, the the athletic department at North Texas is in a really good place, and Seth Luttrell is a big part of that. But this is, I think, the moment where that starts to run dry. Mm-hmm. The facilities are here. This is a different job than when he took it over in 2015. Right. I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I know that Ashley obviously started back in 2015 at North Texas. Mm-hmm. My brother actually did a semester at North Texas back in 2015. His only football game that he went to was the 66-7 Portland State game. Oh. And so that job at that time under Dan McCartney, it was just a job. Right. They're in a different place now from an investment perspective, from a talent perspective, mm-hmm. from a uh, just a visibility perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's fair that the expectation should rise with that. And so, look, 
back-to-back four win years. And last year was so weird. They went 35 days without playing a college football game at one point because of COVID. Right. You're not going to have that excuse this year. No. And like you said, you can only get so many facilities. You can only right. increase your recruiting by so much. So when when do we need to start seeing improvements, you know, to get right. back up, you know? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that is fair to ask. I believe that this past year – they had the number two recruiting class in Conference USA. and the Which year, is great. Which is fantastic. We've got to see some improvements there. We've right. got to see that being incorporated into right. the season. Right. And actually, the year before that, 2020, they had the number two class in Conference USA. The year before that, they had the number four class in Conference USA. So this is multiple years of high-level recruiting, mm-hmm. and that's great. and <laughs> That's right. awesome. But until you can kind of prove to some extent that yes. you didn't just luck into Mason Fine – Right. Mm-hmm. I think you have to show something. So, yeah, I think that getting to a bowl game and, and we mentioned the schedule, right? So Northwestern State, I think that you obviously need to win. Uh, l- let's say that they win those last four games. That gets you to five. Then you got to find one more on the schedule. Probably at Louisiana Tech is, is the most obvious one. And I think that if you get to six and six, you feel OK. You don't feel amazing. Right. But I think that you feel OK to kind of get back to 500. And so it'll be interesting. I, I mean, I do think that this is the year where. There is real pressure where yes. the the all the outside factors don't stand above. Like you have to win this year, right? I mean, you had you had some excuses last year right. on 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 why you might not be doing so well, but you've had a year to kind of get yourself together. You've right. had a year to try and figure out the offense without Mason Fine. Now it's time to really kick it into gear, right? And trying to get this program back to where it used to be. Right. With Mason Fine, right for sure, and I don't think. I think a, a five-win season. I don't think that's completely going to. I, I don't think that's the standard for Seth Luttrell. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that just because he gets five-win season, I don't think he's out. Right. I think, but I really think to really secure his spot, I think he's he's got to make a bowl game. Yeah, and I think that I think that the other thing too is that when you have a schedule that's this difficult it really does come down to how you play also in those games. Right. So if they win five games and they get blown out in the seven yes. and don't look competitive, especially, I, I mean, I look at that UTSA game. That UTSA game, if it's a disaster and it's the last game of the year and that's the game that costs you a bowl game, I mean, look, th- there was... maybe a little bit of a different story. Right, and I think that we look at the past couple of matchups between these two teams, even going back to, to 2016, you know, the, the drive and or a... 2016 yeah it was the the drive and all that sort of stuff right Rico Bussy and all that and so so like even if you go back to that right like these games have mattered North Texas versus UTSA and and North Texas has used these games to elevate above UTSA right well last year UTSA comes and and wipes the floor with them 49 to 17 you know and I think that it was a a turning point for both these programs now I, I think if North Texas comes back gets to six and six and beats UTSA then you have a lot of credibility. But if you get beat 49 to 17 again in the last week of the season and miss a bowl, mm-hmm. that's it. Right. You're totally right. And it's also interesting to point out, too, that he hasn't had a, a remarkable win right. since that Arkansas game yeah. back in, what, 2019 it was? Yeah. In the 2019 season. So we, we need another one of those, too. Yeah. He, he, needs to, he needs another one of those, you know, to try and secure that spot as no well. No doubt. All right. Question number three. What is it? I think we kind of know what's coming. <laughs> it's going to be about the defense. Yes. Stats don't lie. 
UNT had the worst total defense st statistically in the FBS last season and ranked second to worst in rush defense. So with Phil Bennett coming in, how quickly can the new defensive coordinator make an impact? Sure. So one thing that I'll point to is uh, – well. Well, Phil Bennett was actually the defensive coordinator at Baylor when I was out at Baylor, which yes. is, uh, you know, so. And he actually took over a very similar situation in a lot of ways because Baylor at that time, tremendous offensive team, high-paced offense, all that sort of stuff. And defensively, they were on pace to be the worst defense all time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then halfway through that 2012 season, something flipped, something mm -hmm. turned. And I think that he is as ready to, and, and as prepared and as capable of taking over something like this as any defensive coordinator in college football. And the reason that I say that is because he understands and he's comfortable with the idea that we don't have to finish top 10 in total defense. That's impossible for a program like this because of what they do offensively. Right. So their job is going to be, we need to get the ball back to the offense. And then when the offense gets it, they need to score. Right. And that's going to be done through third down stops. It's going to be done through turnovers. It's going to be done with, uh, you know, limiting explosive plays is going to be a huge part of it. And, you know, the, you hear the phrase, Ben, don't break defense a lot, right? And, mm -hmm. and a lot of the time that's a pejorative. And I think depending what league you're in, it can mean different things. I think that at a school like North Texas and, and and in Conference USA, and especially when you're only trying to get to six and six, you will certainly take a bend, don't break defense. Mm -hmm. And so that said, I mean, you have some pieces there. Dion Noville obviously coming back on the defensive line, huge deal. I think that actually their move to a four-man front is really going to benefit, especially with the with the Murphy twins. You know, yes. getting to kind of just yes. be rushers, right? right. I, I think that's going to be a big deal for them to kind of get to – to simplify their their reads a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that we saw, you know, when they were asked to do anything except run after the quarterback, they were kind of a little lost right, out there. Right, right. But getting to kind of just do that full time, I think that's going to help. And there is talent on this back end. I mean, you you get uh, you get Mikhail Sanders back for a fifth year of eligibility. You get Kevin Wood back. You get Deshaun Gaddy. You should a lot of uh, nice stuff back. So there is also experience coming back. I was going to say, defense. I really mm -hmm. think the story for this defense is that there's so many returners. Right. You know, there's there's a there's going to be a lot of experience, which I think is a very good thing for for this defense. You know. Lots of lots of experience coming back, plus Phil Bennett. Yeah, maybe there's going to be something good coming right. in the future. Well, and listen again, you don't have to get to top forty, right? right? Like you got to get to top eighty. If yeah. you can get to the eightieth best total defense in college football, this team's pretty good, right? right. I think that that's all you really need from them. I and think really too. I mean, last year might have been rock bottom for this defense. <laughs> it better. And, have been. And, and, and you can only go up from here, right? Right. You can only go up from here. So anything, any improvements that we see will be good. Definitely. Definitely. Well, this is the Republic of Football podcast. I'm Shahan J. Roger. That's Mallory Hartley over there. Uh, by the way, now is the perfect time for you to become a subscriber. Textfootball.com slash subscribe. The magazine now starting to hit bookshelves. We don't control the mail. Greg always says that, uh, but we should around the state start having magazines in stores. But the best way to get the magazine is still at textfootball.com slash subscribe. The other thing that I'll mention too, though, is that at textfootball.com, we do have a tracker where you can figure out where to go and get a magazine, what stores should have them in stock. The easiest places to usually find them are at Walmart, and, uh, and HEB is always a good one. Kroger usually has them, but you can go to textfootball.com, and we have a tracker there. You can figure out whichever location is close to you to get the magazine. And listen, 
I, I said it a whole lot. I gave up sleep my entire month of April <laughs> to put together this magazine. The least you can do is give me $12 for it. Go spend the $12 <laughs> at your $12. local Walmart or HEB. Right. Or even Walgreens. <laughs> so Shahan can feel better about getting no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and and l- listen, I... If you subscribe at textbookpool.com slash subscribe, first of all, it does help us out more than any other way. We get mm-hmm. the most money directly, if that if that matters to you, supporting our brand. And the other thing, too, yeah, we, we mail it out before everybody else. Now, again, you're more going to be looking at next year to get it before everybody else, but uh, mailed out directly to you. You also get the summer magazine, and you also get our winter recruiting edition. So if you are a fan of a team that maybe doesn't get massive wall-to-wall recruiting coverage – I think that actually this is a great resource for you to get that recruiting book mm-hmm. as well. We rank the top 300 players in Texas. So we get tons of input from some of the the players that are going to be joining your team uh, this upcoming fall. So texabowl.com slash subscribe, best way to do it. So we actually have an interview today. We do. We have Corey Hogue joining the, the podcast. He's our small college insider. We put together the preseason all-Texas small college team. Let's go ahead and pass it right over to Corey now. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sean. It's great to talk with you again. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little while, but we have, for the first time of the year, the preseason All-Texas Small College team out today. Check TexasFootball.com to check all of it out. And, Corey, I, I mean, look, I think that every year we are always blown away by the level of small college talent in the state. But I'll tell you what, you submitted this to me, and I was blown away pretty quick by just how chalky it felt. It was just so obvious with so many of these, I guess, some of the guys who deserve to be honored. This was actually one of the hardest ones, Sean. Mm. I'll tell you, because there are so many great players, there are just a ton, there's a ton of talent left off. I was choosing between all Americans for positions at times. Mm. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I, I, the, for like the Jerry Rice award winner. I mean, I was, you know, he didn't make the list. That's how. That's the level of talent in this state. Right, right, right. And you mentioned it. I, I think that 16 out of the 26 players on this list have been All-Americans in the past. you got guys, obviously, seven from, from Sam Houston, the team that won the national championship in the FCS ranks last year. I mean, when you go into this, I mean, what's kind of your strategy, I, I guess? Because there are so many teams uh, and so many players to be considered. How do you kind of narrow them down? be honest with you especially this season i really started with looking at the all-americans list because <laughs> i do i already had an idea there were so many there and then i just kind of go by position and i put you know all the candidates out there and then from there it's just splitting hairs trying to find the the position some of the positions wide receiver quarterback offensive line is so deep in this state and the other challenge this year, Shahan, was who is returning and who who's taking advantage of the extra year and who is not. Right, right, right. And let's start on that offensive side of the ball, okay? So Eric Schmidt, like you mentioned, is the quarterback. Cameron Ward is somebody who is certainly deserving. Uh, and you look at that offense. I mean, several players from Sam Houston's national title team on it. Eric Schmidt, Jaquez Azard, of course, uh, Colby Thomas on the offensive line. Uh, look, after last season and after they won the national championship, several players decided to take advantage, like you mentioned, of that extra year and come back for the fall. Uh, how loaded right now is Sam Houston? Oh, they, they are so loaded. And, and they had a few that just missed the cut. I, I mean, they're just an incredible amount of talent. And then you think most of those that, that we mentioned from that list from Sam Houston will be NFL draft picks. It just is amazing how much talent they have. 
And then on the defensive side, you know, one thing that I notice is on that defensive side of the ball, we really get to see some of the 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 smaller college, the D2, the D3 really well represented. And especially I think you look at Mary Harden Baylor, you know, Jefferson Fritz has been a guy who's been on this list basically every year since he's been a freshman uh, coming up to his senior year. What do you kind of expect from him? Oh, I'm expecting big things. You know, they moved him around in, in 2019. He, he normally plays a safety. They move him up to linebacker in 2019. Now I, I believe he's back at safety, kind of his natural position. Uh, they have Akeem Jackson, who also is on the list at linebacker, who just is, is amazing. Uh, and the other thing about Jefferson Fritz, he could have made the list as a punter as well because he is he's just that talented. You know, at linebacker, I think that we had a lot of conversations about who to go with. And one guy who ended up making the list kind of at the last second was Michael Jewett from Trinity. Uh, what has he kind of done to set himself apart? He is the leader of one of the top defenses in the state of Texas. Trinity is a team that, that defensively they are just so solid. And, and Coach Jeremy Urban, he has them ready to go every year. They're going to contend for the Southern Athletic Association title this year. And a big reason why is Michael Jewett. He has been amazing. This might be his third year in a row to be on it as well. He reminds me a lot of a, of a Jefferson Fritz. He just is so talented, and he's, he's the leader of the team. On offense, again, uh, incarnate word, like you mentioned, you don't have the guy who won the Jerry Rice Award, Cameron Ward, on it because <laughs> there's only one spot at the quarterback position. But a guy that you do have is running back Kevin Brown. Uh, you know, what did he kind of show last year? And with the full season and with, you know, an 11-game slate, what, what do you kind of expect for him? And, and on top of that, how much will it benefit Cameron Ward to have Kevin Brown back as well? Oh, you, you know, you talk about Cameron Ward. The, he gets beat out by a guy who – was put on as the second best quarterback in the whole state of Texas on the list that you put out earlier this year. That that's fine company to be there with. And he's definitely deserving. It just, you know, he, he will have more time. Cameron will, but Kevin Brown is just incredible. He brought a, a dynamic to that incarnate word offense that they really needed. And coach Eric Morris, when I've spoke with him, he is so big on what Kevin can do and the running and the ability, his ability to his vision, his ability to see the hole, to make the cut, and he's got a decent offensive line, and it just takes so much pressure off off of Cameron Ward. It gives him time to find the receivers when the linebackers and the and the defensive backs have to respect that running game. So looking at this list, let's close with this. Looking at this list, we've mentioned a lot of names. We mentioned some guys from Sam Houston. We mentioned some guys from Incarnate Ward. But who is a guy on this list that you feel like? doesn't get enough attention for what he does at any level. Uh, Jakari McCoy, that guy at Angelo State, he could play for almost anyone in the country. I truly believe that he is a defensive tackle, and it's hard for defensive tackles to really make the list for a preseason or an end-of-season list, but he he dominates that offense, that, the, the offensive line, the opposing offensive line. He, he dominates that line of scrimmage right there. He cuts down your running game. You can't run the ball up the middle. And then he's got just a quickness to him and a speed. He, he puts pressure on the quarterback as well. He's one of the few complete package players that uh, I've seen along a defensive line at the Division II level. Well, it's a tremendous list. Like we mentioned, 16 out of 26 of these players have been All-Americans at the small college level. Even more, I think, by the end of the year could be in that boat. Corey, you can check this out at TexasFootball.com. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Hey, thanks, Shahan. Anytime. It's uh, it's going to be great catching up and getting back to a normal football season again. Yeah, believe it or not, we're, we're finally here. Thanks again. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again to Corey for joining the program. Always great to hear from him. Again, you can find the All-Texas Small College preseason team at texasfootball.com. We've got it up on the front page right now. So, our second team. We talked about one team that was disappointing last season. Uh, let's flip it. Let's flip 180. it. 180. <laughs> as much as you can possibly flip something and talk about the UTSA Roadrunners. UTSA with second-year head coach Jeff Trailer leading the way now. They went 7-5 and five last season. Really had a chance to win that bowl game against a top-25 mm-hmm. Louisiana team as well. Uh, this is the best season that they've had in seven or eight years, really since they started their, mm-hmm. uh, their program and, and moved up to FBS. So they're in a great place right now. They have a lot of returning production. One thing that actually they pointed out to me is they have 12 super seniors returning as well, wow. which means that they could potentially play with up to 97 scholarship players. That's incredible. Which is not something that I actually had another coach that I talked to kind of be like, how did they do that? (laughs) Where did they get that money to do that? But I'll tell you what, excitement for football in San Antonio is at a fever pitch right now. Right, Lots of fans, super, super into it, very excited. Listen, sure. we, we've got a bunch of North Texas and a, bu- and a Texas State grad in the office over here. We hear a lot of consternation, but uh, things are things are going good right now in San Antonio for Jeff Trailer and the yes. gang. Without further ado, Mallory, what's our first burning question? Well, let's go ahead and start off with the obvious. Sincere McCormick finished number two nationally in rushing yards in the 2020 season. So what can we expect to see from him this coming 2021 season? Well, the short answer is greatness. <laughs> of course. Yes. Since Let's just end it there. Next question. <laughs> All right. Next <laughs> Since Sam McCormick last year finished, like you mentioned, number two in the nation in rushing yards, he also was named our Texas College Player of the Year, our overall player, not not our mm-hmm. offensive player, our overall player, which it's a, I mean, it's a rarity that we feel like the most impactful player in the state of Texas plays for a group of five program. Right. But that's what Sincere McCormick was. And it was crazy. I, I wrote a story on this last year. I asked Jeff Trailer and I asked Barry Lenny, their offensive coordinator. Right? I was like, when did you realize that Sincere McCormick was this good? And he said, oh, when we kept giving him the ball in the first game. <laughs> and he just kept going. Because you can't simulate this in practice, right? No. You don't know how a guy's going to keep driving, keep going. You don't know how he's going to play against live defense. And I was at that game. That was the UTSA-Texas State game, which, mm-hmm. again, I know caused a lot of pain for Texas State fans, so I apologize for, <laughs> Sorry, for talking. Sorry, <laughs> this is why we didn't have him on the program today. Uh, but uh, listen, I mean, he was—he took the first play, I believe, for a touchdown and finished with 199 yards, which was a UTSA record at the time until he broke it later in the season. Gosh. And it just kind of kept going from there. And, you know, back in 2019, I remember that calculating because UTSA's offense was very inconsistent. Uh, but Sincere McCormick, you know, was it was a five yards per carry plus guy, right? And right. I remember calculating that when Sincere McCormick touched the ball, either as a carry or as a catch, UTSA's offense averaged more than a yard more per play than when he didn't touch the ball. Wow. So That's incredible. <laughs> we got to see that kind of come to fruition last year. I thought it would be this year that we'd really get to see that, but it was last year. Uh-huh. I mean, he was ready to go right away. And I thought that the way that they used him in so many creative ways and the way that they changed up their offense to really complement him, it, it really – was a big deal now the one thing that i'll say i don't know if he's going to replicate his yardage i think that right. he could be as impactful but i, I mean last year I'm, I'm pulling it up right now right he 
He rushed for fourteen hundred sixty-seven yards Jeez. in eleven games. How, how do you how do you how do you improve <laughs> from that? That's my real question. How do you do better than that? Well, and the crazy thing too is he was at nearly six yards per carry. Gosh. And everybody who played against UTSA knew exactly what was coming. Yep. And they couldn't do anything. Right. And so I think that one thing that we might see is certainly, I mean, I, I'm not saying that he's going to clear six yards per carry. That's crazy stuff for a running back, mm-hmm. right? But I think that we might see him touch the ball a little less this year and be more efficient than right. even he was last year. Because one thing that I did hear is that they did not want to run him as much as they did last year. They ended up running him 250 times in 11 games. They wanted to kind of spread the wealth a little bit more than they did, but they had some injury issues with their backup running backs. Brendan Brady especially kind of dealt with injuries all year long. I'd expect him to be a little bit more involved uh, in the run game this upcoming year. So I don't know if he's gonna if, if McCormick's going to carry it 249 times again. But at the same time, if UTSA does what we think that they can do, which certainly, I mean, we think that they yes. can do it, of course, <laughs> uh, it's going to be because of what Sincere McCormick can do in offense. And now, all the other stuff has to come together, too. Like, you need more from Frank Harris in the passing game. Right. You need more from the offensive line. You need more from the receivers. We saw some really nice things start to come up. But the other thing that you mentioned is, do you know how many starters they have back on offense? How many? Eleven. Everybody's back. Everybody is back. Everybody's back. So, again, it's going to be one of those things where I certainly think that, that Sincere McCormick's going to be, I mean, I think he's going to be the best running back in the state once again. All respect to a ton of guys, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the the guy that we got flack for for leaving off the first team was Bijan, but listen, yeah. I mean, since you, uh, sorry, Isaiah Spiller was a thousand yard rusher in the SEC, a first team All SEC guy. Uh, Ulysses Bentley was a first team All AAC guy. So like, there's a lot of good running backs in the state. Mm-hmm. I expect Sincere McCormick still be at the top. Now, kind of going off of that, do you think he's a legitimate All American contender? I think he has to be. Season. I think he has to be. You know, so I last year was added to the Football Writers Association All-American Committee, mm-hmm. right? And he was a name that came up mm-hmm. independent of me. I mean, he finished number two in the nation in rushing yards. And the guys who finished ahead of him last year, basically all of them are gone. Right. You know, Najee Harris, obviously one of those guys. Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo, one of those guys. The one guy who is back is Brees Hall, who led the nation in rushing yards. Uh you know, so I, I think that it's going to be very competitive. Obviously, running back, I think, is one of the most competitive positions every single year because there are so many good running backs mm-hmm. in the country. But the big thing is, too, if, if Sincere McCormick's going to get All-America honors, I mean, he got mentioned on a 7-5 and five team. If this team goes and wins nine games. Which I totally think that they right. could. And if they win, obviously, if they win 10 games. The big thing, too, is, and I mean, not to not to drill. I mean, they play Illinois in the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. If they go and beat Illinois and Sincere McCormick has a big game, that says something. Right. Right. And I think that a lot of people are going to look for that are gonna look for, I guess, that credibility of doing it against a power five defense. Now yes. nobody wants to recognize that he's being blocked by a group of five players. They want to uh-huh. see him still do it against power mm-hmm. five competition though. And I think he's gonna have a chance to do that even against a very bulky Illinois team. And so there's certainly a path for him to not only, like you mentioned, uh, be one of the nation's leading rushers, but certainly I think that there will be an All-America case for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we'll go ahead and move on to our next question, kind of going off of that, that last answer. 
was kind of a toss-up at the quarterback position last year. You know, Frank Harris, of course, being the front runner for the starting job in the 2021 season. But has he really done enough to kind of secure that starting job? Yeah, Frank Harris is such an interesting player. I, I remember talking to Ben Baby, who used to cover college sports at the Dallas Morning News, and actually was the San Antonio sports beat writer down mm-hmm. at the Express News back in the day. Now covers uh, the NFL for for ESPN now. And one thing I remember coming out of school, he was a Frank Harris stan. Mm-hmm. He was all up in Frank Harris. He was like, this guy's a superstar. This guy's going to be amazing at UTSA. This guy is everything. And you've seen so many of the things that made him so hyped, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's certainly the case. He is one of the most dynamic runners, I think, in college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we saw UTSA was so good at creating an offense that took advantage of having both a dynamic quarterback and a dynamic running back. The question now becomes that passing game needs to come along. Right. You know, last year he completed, he completed 63% of his passes, but he was only at 6.5 yards per attempt, which kind of tells you, and this is backed up by I think what we saw last year, he was somebody who was not comfortable going very far down the field. Mm-hmm. And the way that you really open up your offense, especially when you've got receivers like Joshua Cephas and Zachary Franklin, who both stepped up in a big way last year, the way that you have to do that is, is I think, by continuing to expand the field. And, and you have to, I think, pass the ball down the field a little bit better than, than they did last year. And so the question just becomes, though, I don't know who the guy is if it's not Frank Harris. Now, we right. saw some nice things from Josh Adkins, uh, who was a New Mexico State transfer. We saw some nice things from Lowell Narcisse. But I don't think that we saw enough nice things to say that they're going to beat out Frank Harris for the job. And you, you've got a stud in Eddie Lee Marburger, <laughs> yeah. a Sherilyn Pioneer product coming up, and people really think he may have a shot at the starting job as well. Listen, it's it's tough to come in as a freshman. It's a toss, yes. And the other thing, too, obviously, is that, uh, I mean, we love the Valley as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. In fact, we love the Valley more than anybody else. Yes. But the gap in competition between the Valley to – Obviously, UTSA. Right. It's a big gap. Now, I will say, yeah, I mean, Eddie Lee Markberger was a finalist for Mr. Texas football. Mm-hmm. He was as dynamic a quarterback as there, as there was in high school football last year. And the other thing, too, that you mentioned about Eddie Lee Markberger is, like, he has, like, those tools. You know, he's yes. very toolsy. He's he's not sort of one of those guys who, like, uh, I mean, like our our other beloved Rio Grande Valley quarterback, Landry Gilpin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he was, he was very much like a – there's chaos happening in front of me, and I'm going to make something happen. Right. Like, Eddie Lee Marburger is a, I can stand here and deliver. Mm-hmm. You know, just nobody looked at me because I played in the Valley. And so, I don't know if he's going to be somebody, especially at the beginning of the year, who will necessarily factor in. I think maybe by 22 or 23, we could be having this conversation. But, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I don't think that anybody has done enough to lock down that position. I mean, I really look at this UTSA team. That is the whole on the roster is right. quarterback. And right. so, listen, I, I mean, we certainly wouldn't be mad for uh, for Jeff Trailer to try some different things out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that they have a surefire answer there. I think Frank Harris is going to be the guy coming into the year. But I, I think that that competition behind the scenes, probably not on the field, is going to continue. Right. It's always going to the be there for sure. Right. All right. eyes are always going to be on that quarterback position. Definitely. For sure. Well, going into our – Last question. You know, it's no secret that Jeff, Jeff Trailer is, is really good. <laughs> He's a really good coach. What? And in just a short time at being the head coach at UTSA, 
So why do you think Jeff Trailer was really able to have so much success so quickly? It's such an interesting question because I think that when he came in, our thought, and really what he said too, was I'm going to recruit Texas better than anybody ever has ever. Mm-hmm. And our thought was, okay, cool. Yep. Find some guys, recruit well, develop well, and you know maybe in three years you'll have a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. I think that all of us, me included, underrated what he could do on the field in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that the th- these hmm, – I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase it. So I, I think that one of the things that Jeff Trailer does better than anyone is he sets a culture. And I made this comparison during last season when they were going on this run. He is the most high school football coach in college football mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, but – He's from Gilmer, correct? Gilmer, Texas. Gilmer, Texas. Yep, won three state championships. Right. Member of the THSCA's Hall of Honor. And so, you know, all-time great high school football coach. And the thing, though, about him being a high school football coach is that, yes, obviously, it means he's going to recruit well. It means he's going to relate with kids well. It means he's going to, you know, relate with the Texas high school coach as well. But I think that the thing that he brought more than anything was the ability to communicate Mm -hmm. and... I think that the other thing that he brought was that I truly think he didn't have an ego going into this. Right. I think that he came in and he said, listen, I know that there's a lot of stuff I don't know, and I want to lean on other smart people around me to help mm-hmm. me figure that out. And that didn't just mean other coaches. I think that also meant players. Mm-hmm. The one thing that, that I was told a lot about by people who were not Jeff Trailer was that one of the most impactful things that he did for them was – he came in and he told every player on the team when yes, he came in. I was going to mention this. Yeah. yeah, that look, we have we have uh, you know a new staff. I'm a new head coach. I did not recruit you. Mm-hmm. Come into my office, anybody from walk-ons to sincere McCormick. Come into my office. Tell me three things that you like about the program and three things that you don't like. And basically, he wanted to look for trends. He wanted to look for what are things that we're doing t- with our players or that the previous staff did with the, with our players mm-hmm. that did not work for them. Right. And it, I think that's, that definitely says a lot. Yeah. For sure. And it's such a simple thing, but I think that the other part of it too is that not only is it about actually asking the question and getting the answer, but I think it's about making players feel heard. Mm-hmm. And I think that really develop that chemistry with each other as well as with other coaches. Right. Right. And I think that that really bleeds through from Jeff trailer down to his assistant coaches, down to his star players, down to the scout team, down to the trainers, down to everybody. And I think that, you know, one thing that I'll point to is last year during the season, uh, UTSA's defensive coordinator was suspended with an investigation, actually. And so what ended up happening was they basically split responsibilities. They're like, okay, we're going to have two of our assistants who have been here right now that are going to kind of co-defensive coordinate. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. But he kind of, because of the way that I think he manages people, you know, they they were kind of able to take themselves out of it and just make the calls and do things schematically that were right for the team. And so, and and so they decided to kind of stay with this sort of a, this sort of alignment heading into this upcoming season. And that's rare. You know, I, I know that we're not talking about this team, but I, you know, I remember 
with 2019 LSU, Steve Ensminger was the offensive coordinator at the time, and they bring in Joe Brady, who's this kind of nobody. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the reasons that that works so well is because Steve Ensminger was like, I'm willing to say – I'm willing to defer. I'm willing to listen to other people. I'm willing to let Joe Brady make calls, right? right? And that's rare. You know, it's it's easy to say these things, and I think it's hard to do them. And all these things that I'm saying sound like platitudes, mm-hmm. right? They just sound like, <laughs> well, he he opened the the door to communication. He communicated right. well. There was synergy. You know, like it's all like business speak. But when you do it for real, and when you do it at a high level, and when that permeates your program. I think that sort of stuff matters. Oh yeah, when you see that 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 is clear that clearly has had an impact on this UTSA team, it does matter, right. and it starts to become in in the conversation right. about how you should coach. Right, right. Like, you know, I, I don't want I don't want the answer to why is Jeff Taylor a good coach to just be a bunch of business speak, right? Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what happened, right? It, it's a blend of both, right? For sure, right? And so I, I think that now. Well, and, and one more thing, actually, that I'll quickly mention is that he had to do this all over Zoom. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you kind of have, like, outings and things. You try to do things with kids to kind of get to, get, you know, get to know them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen even, like, with players on the team and stuff, they'll have, like, pool parties. Nick Saban always takes guys out to a beach day, it seems like. Like, right. you usually have that sort of thing. And Jeff Shirley had to do this over Zoom. And I think that that's just such a testament to him that he was able to instill a culture virtually – and I think it speaks to the, you know, how he does things. It speaks to how he identified staffers and finding staffers that believed in him that would kind of be extensions of him. And the way that he was able to get his stars to buy in as well, like Sincere McCormick, like Rashad Wisdom, like Frank Harris, like everybody else, right? And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I think is easy to say and hard to replicate, but I think we really got to see it come together on the field last year. Right, and... Tepper and I did a segment over this last week, but, you know, we kind of calculated the percentage of Texans at each Texas FBS school. And UTSA ranked second. 79% of their roster are Texans. And I I think that speaks really high volumes uh, on Jeff Trailer and, you know, how he's able to keep players here. No question. And next year. And they had the number one recruiting class in Conference USA this year, which I think everybody expected that would be his real impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing that I'll point to as well is that when he came in, what what he said was that we're going to start in the city of San Antonio and then branch outwards and try to cover every region of Texas. And they, you see, they have multiple kids from the Valley. Mm-hmm. They have multiple kids from West Texas. They have multiple kids from East Texas. They have a kid from, uh, y- you know, y- you have kids from everywhere, basically. Right. And that's rare. It's rare to kind of have your hand in so many different places. And they do have some Juco kids coming in too that are from out of state, but it really does start and end with what they've been able to do in state and heading into the next recruiting class. I think it's the same deal. So they are, they were very good last year. They really found something at the end of the year when they finished the month of November uh, without a, a single loss in the month of November. They called it their November to remember. Mm-hmm. And now you bring, again, every starter back on offense. You only lose a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball, some some of whom are just guys who lost their starting job because other players have come in. You add a kid, by the way, uh, one guy that I want to mention who they added as, as a Juco is Ron Tatum, who was a like top 150 kid who uh, who originally went to Oklahoma before going the Juco route. So, like, they've got talent <laughs> coming <They're stacked>. in. <laughs> so, 
listen, I, I don't think that they're going anywhere. And, um, and yeah, I, I mean, look, go to, go and check out the magazine, of course. Go to textfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, make sure and get it to, to see where exactly we have them going. But we certainly think that they can accomplish big things. Yeah. I'm really excited to see this team next year. Sincere yeah. McCormick, uh, all of them. Yeah. I'm really excited to see Jeff Trailer. And, of course, my, my North Texas <laughs> – <laughs> I'm excited to see them too, and I, I can't wait to see those two teams face off at the end of the season too. I think that'll be a I think that'll be a fun game. I of course will be there. <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's any super high expectations from anybody else about that game, but I have high expectations <laughs> for that game. Well, that so. game that game's <laughs> always fun, like we mentioned. I mean, it's been a couple yes. like it was a couple years ago, right? That North Texas kind of had like a, a program changing drive, mm-hmm. <laughs> capped off by that touchdown, and then again last year, I think that 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 was UTSA kind of wrestling control right? right that was them saying we're here you know north texas has been the team in in uh, conference usa from the state of texas for a couple of years now that's been fighting to get to the top well UTSA saying it doesn't just have to be you we're here too right and so it'll be a lot of fun the only thing that kills me is that UTSA doesn't play texas state this year that would have been such a fun game this upcoming year now yeah it would have been very, very contentious. Right. Like, it would have been like people could not speak to each other for a couple of days before and after this game. No. It no. would have been a lot of fun. It would have been fun. And who knows what the outcome would have been. I think it's <laughs> – I, I think – do you think it would have been as close as last year? It's so interesting to ask because I think that Texas State's going to be a lot better this year. I mean, they added 17 transfers. It's, they're going to be completely transformed. Right. But UTSA, again, they found something <laughs> at the end of the year. So Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I, I feel like it would have been one of those things with, like, you know, Texas and Oklahoma play every year, and Oklahoma's just on a different planet than mm-hmm. Texan has been for years at this point. But, like, when that game turns on, anything can happen. Right. Right? That, that's what yeah. it kind of feels like to me. For so, sure. anyway, that's UTSA. That's North Texas. That's uh, – we're through Conference USA now. We'll come back next week with two more teams. I don't think we decide what we're doing as yet. We'll, we'll figure it out. We got a whole week. We got a whole week. (laughs) Listen, we got nothing going on, right? No media days or no No, coaching school. No coaching school. We've got all week to plan this, right? (laughs) This is all we do. (laughs) Got nothing else going on in our lives. Not at all. (laughs) Anyway, thank you to everybody for joining us. Again, become a subscriber. Textfull.com slash subscribe. It's the perfect time to do it. Make sure and get your copy of the magazine. Uh, I think, I mean, listen. This I think this is one of the best covers we've ever done. I I understand sure. that whenever Texas or A and M's on the cover, we're gonna hear You're about gonna have it. Have some backlash, of yeah. course, but I mean, come on, it's they, they kind of deserve to be on the cover. Yeah, I mean, listen, nine and one, sh- uh, you know, Orange will win. What you gonna do? Right? <laughs> yes, it was and, clearly the front runner. But even if you are a uh, even if you are not an Aggie, there's lots for you in this magazine. We preview all 47 colleges that play college football in the state of Texas. We preview. 1400 high school teams which is just so dumb <laughs> it just I, I still can't believe that we do that so I, I remember I played a game with uh with my wife where I'm just like hey where'd your friends go to high school let's find them in the like <laughs> because oh, we yeah. got a preview for all of them right for sure I mean it, it's cool to go back to and I mean my dad played Texas high school football yeah. for a little bit too and it's fun to go back and see who he recognizes you know from his era of high school football and but, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, listen, I know that uh, if you go to textfootball.com slash archive, by the way, you actually can get copies uh, or, or, like, access to copies of the PDFs of every magazine that we've ever done. So That's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. I know that, like, uh, Willie Nelson actually has his picture in the magazine from way back oh in the gosh, day. Oh, my gosh. That's cool. I'm trying to think who else. I know Jamie Foxx was apparently in the magazine. He was a quarterback at Terrell, I think wow. it was. 
Yeah, so many reasons so to many go reasons. back and look at those old pages. Yes, and that's a only if you're a subscriber. Textful.com yes. slash subscribe. Well, for Sh- I'm Shahan J. Raja for Mallory Hartley. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find all work at textfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Text Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. Become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers, and we will speak to you guys again next week.